God bless you, everybody. Wonderful once again to worship with you. Uh, it's great to get together on Wednesdays and any day to remember who the Lord Jesus is, especially in these challenging days. I love the fact that he is referred to as our rock. He's unchangeable. Uh, he's the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. Therefore, our faith placed in him is well-grounded faith. Uh, a few weeks ago, we spoke on the subject uh, of the last days. I entertained the question, are we living in the last days? And I supplied the answer that we are, but I don't think we're living in the last days of the last days. Uh, uh, there are signs of the fact that these are the end times and that the end times began really some 2,000 years ago uh, in uh, in association with the death, burial, resurrection, and ascension of the Lord Jesus Christ. That kind of inaugurated a new era we can refer to as the last days. And I think we're approaching the last days of the last days, but we're not there quite yet. These, however, are uh, some of the signs of the end times, if you will. And that's what we're going to talk about tonight. This specific sign, end times religion. You may be surprised to know that religion worldwide is on the rise. Why? Satan, the god of this world, loves religion. Why in the world would Satan love religion? It's because religion distracts folks from a personal relationship with a living Savior whose name is the Lord Jesus Christ. In fact, Paul expressed concern about this potential distraction from the simplicity and purity of devotion to Christ, and he expressed his concern in this verse you're perhaps familiar with. He said, I'm afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, your minds will be led astray, here it is, from the simplicity and purity of what? Of devotion Christ. It's simple, it's pure, in spite of all else, to center on the worship of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so in the end times, Satan is going to turn up the burner and make a more concerted effort to offer us a kind of religiosity devoid of a personal relationship with the living Savior. And again, his goal is to uh, distract us from what Paul referred to here as the simplicity and purity of devotion to Christ. And so I want to suggest to you how end times religion is going to do this. It's going to do it by imposing upon us, the world, certain core values. Here's one such core value. We can call it environmentalism. Now, don't misunderstand of all people groups on earth who ought to appreciate the natural order and be good stewards of it, it ought to be we, Christians. So I'm not in any way against expressing responsible care for the environment. We ought to be good stewards of the natural resources provided for us by Almighty God. But the environmentalism of end times religion goes way beyond good stewardship of the environment. And in fact, 
will seek to encourage not mere stewardship of the environment, but worship of the environment. And so if you would think about this, you'll see what I mean. End times religion will be characterized by worship of the creation rather than of the creator. So that's what you want to be sensitive to and aware of. It's not just something we can anticipate. You may be surprised to know it's already upon us. So for instance, do you remember the former leader of the then Soviet Union, Mikhail Gorbachev? He teamed up with a Canadian billionaire named Maurice Strong, and they together founded an organization called Green, not Red Cross, Green Cross International. And as a result of the organization, they formed a charter, a kind of an earth charter, instructing us on how to care for the earth. And in that charter, Gorbachev made this very striking statement. He said, nature is my God. Trees are my temples. Forests are my cathedrals. So can you see this kind of radical environmentalism is one of the core values of end times religion? End times religionists, in fact, are proclaiming the deity of earth rather than the deity of the one who created the earth. This kind of green religion, we can call it, is going to advance the idea of earth as a living divine spirit, as expressed in this quotation from the world pantheist movement. Nature created us. We are in an inseparable part of her, and we have a duty of care towards her. Now, folks, monotheism, I think you know, is the belief in one personal God who transcends the natural order. End times religionists will insist that it's this very thing, monotheism, that has caused great harm in the world. Therefore, they will make the claim that this belief, monotheism, it has in fact led to the separation of people groups on earth from their connection to mother earth. So all monotheistic religions in the end times are going to be a threat to radical environmentalism. It must be changed, monotheism that is, and therefore governments, media, schools, corporations, artists, and others must revive our ancient earth-centeredness. And folks, it's happening. The impetus is to reconnect us with, not the Spirit of God, with earth's spirit. Former Vice President Al Gore, you remember him, wrote a book called Earth in the Balance, in which he expounds this perspective. Listen to a direct quote from former Vice President Gore. 
He said the richness and diversity of our religious tradition throughout history is a spiritual resource long ignored by people of faith who are often afraid to open their minds to teachings first offered outside their own systems of belief. Christians, get your head out of the Bible. Be open to other systems of belief, he says. But the emergence of a civilization in which knowledge moves freely and almost instantaneously through the world has spurred a renewed investigation of the wisdom distilled by all faiths. This pan-religious perspective may prove especially important where our global civilization's responsibility for the earth is concerned. And so the environmentalist interests of those who worship Mother Earth is a rallying point to unite different faith groups around the world, give up your faith distinctives, join together in worshiping Mother Earth. But folks, contrary to that thinking, this is quite clearly and simply what the Bible has to say in Romans chapter 1, verse 25. Take a look. For they exchange the truth. It's an exchange. They exchanged what? Truth. They exchanged the truth of God for what? A lie. They exchanged truth for a lie. What'd they do? They worshiped and served, look, the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Paul amens his own expression of faith there. Folks, uh, we're speaking in this verse of a horrible exchange, an exchange of a truth for a lie. It's the truth that creatures have a creator who is to be worshiped, who alone is to be worshiped. And that truth has been exchanged for a lie that suggests to us creatures owe nothing, not even their own existence to a creator. That's not true. In fact, the very next inhalation and exhalation you and I take is due to the creator. We are not self-sustained. We are not self-generated. We is the creature. He is the creator before whom we must bow. That which is made, do you know this? <laughs> that which is made, not the maker, according to end time religion, is to be worshiped and served. And so this is one of the marks of end times religion. Now, folks, when in ancient times men began to do this, that is to say to worship and serve the creation instead of the creator, the wrath of God was outpoured upon them. And man is at it again in our day. End times religion will, in fact, revive this terrible distortion. And when humankind once again chooses to worship nature instead of the creator, when man again worships Mother Earth instead of Father God, then watch out, God's wrath will be outpoured upon the earth. I think we're seeing it in our day. So then, one of the core values of end time religion is environmentalism. And the second core value of end time religion is what we'll call humanism. 
humanism, one of the core values of end times religion. That religion actually has a gospel, if you will, a sort of a good news message designed to bring the diverse peoples of the earth together. And it is, in fact, the gospel of humanism. What is that? Well, it's a focus on humans. That's what humanism is, not on the creator who made us, but on us. Humanism is centered on human happiness, human imagined goodness, human rights, you see? Human ability to do whatever we dream we could do. And that kind of declaration, that kind of humanism, uh, essentially says this. Anything the human mind can conceive and believe can be achieved. And perhaps you are aware of the fact that that kind of uh, uh, ungodly philosophy has already permeated many churches in fact, there's a whole body of theology called the prosperity gospel, which essentially says this very thing. All you have to do is speak it into existence. All you have to do is imagine, think the thought, stay with it, put faith in your thoughts, and what you are thinking will come to pass. You have creative activity. You don't have to petition the creator. You don't have to bow before him. You don't have to patiently await uh, his supply, you can think it into existence. Folks, that's humanism in the church. End times religion, humanistic religion, will be man-centered, not God-centered. In fact, there will be strong appeals made, already being made, to abandon doctrine that centers on deity and instead replace it with a man-centeredness. The idea, you see, is to form a global community of man which will then save the world. So humanism, in short, is about the glory of man. That's end times religion. And in this new Global religion, the fundamental problem of man will be denied. Do you know what the fundamental problem of man is? It's not poverty. It's not lack of education. The fundamental problem of man is man's sin. But in end times religion, that fundamental problem will be denied. And in a, in a, a brilliant uh, sort of a sleight of hand... Uh, our focus of attention will be on corruption external to us instead of corruption born into us. And that's environmentalism, you see. <laughs> we have to save the earth. We don't need to be saved. There is no sin problem. We have to focus our efforts on the salvation of the environment. Can you see how this, this bait and switch thing is taking place? Really what it is is modern day Tower of Babel. Humanism says we can all get together as a world community, lay aside our distinctive faith differences, all doctrinal things that divide us, and we can get together sort of in our humanism and our own inherent goodness. There isn't any, but that's what 
end times religion will seek to persuade us of, we could all get together and sort of build a tower of sorts, making ourselves able to access the heavenlies. We don't need a God to condescend down to us. We can extend ourselves in our own world, community, and virtue. We can extend ourselves to him. Listen to this quote from a man named John Randolph Price, organizer of something called the World Instant of Cooperation. Look at this. We can do it. Join hands across the world. Visualize world peace. We have, look at that, no sin. And therefore need, look at this, no savior. We can save ourselves and our world. Satan loves that kind of religion, you see, minus the Savior. So saving the world through harmonized human potential is going to be the mantra of end times religion, and it will be facilitated by the harmonizing of all the world's religions. Let me read to you a quote by a man named Robert Mueller former director of the United Nations and president of Peace University. Here's what Mueller said. I've come to believe firmly today that our future peace, justice, fulfillment, happiness, and harmony on this planet will not depend on world government, but on divine or cosmic government. My great personal dream is to get a tremendous alliance between all major religions and the United Nations. We don't need Jesus, you see. We can get together, lay aside our differences and distinctives, and save ourselves. Listen to what the Dalai Lama said. He said, I believe that all the major religions of the world can contribute to world peace and work together for the benefit of humanity if we put aside subtle metaphysical differences. Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one can come to the Father but by me. Folks, with all due respect to the Dalai Lama, that's not a subtle metaphysical differences which we can do without. He said, set it aside. These are all really the internal business of each religion. This spiritual energy and power can be purposefully used to bring about the spiritual conditions necessary for world peace. Yeah. Jesus said, in the world you have tribulation. In me you have peace. There's no peace apart from the prince of peace. So then two of the core values of end times religion are these. First, environmentalism. Second, humanism. And uh, now I want to share with you the third core value of end times religion. We can call it relativism. What's relativism? Well, its opposite is absolutism. Absolutism simply says some things are unchangeably, irreversibly, absolutely true. That's absolutism. Relativism and contradistinction says no. There is no such thing as absolute truth. So relativism essentially says this, that something may be true for you does not make it true for me. You see, truth is relative. What's true for you is not necessarily true for me. Can I tell you how dangerous that 
core value that philosophy is? That implies, therefore, that there are many paths to God, not just one. Therefore, Jesus, he must be a liar. Because you recall, he made, Jesus made this statement in John 14, 6, which I already shared with you. I am the way and the truth and the life. Here's an absolute statement. No one comes to the Father. No one comes to the Father but through me. There's not a hint of relativism in that direct quote from the Lord Jesus at all. Now, if you in this day make the claim that Jesus is not the way, a way to God, or maybe you say Jesus is the way to God for me, okay, most people will leave you alone. But if you declare Jesus is the way to God for everyone, you will be confronted with that point of view. That's what end times religion will do. This narrow claim is the very kind of thing that uh, divides the world community and gets in the way, don't you see, of global religious harmony. Now, steps to create a unified world religion, do you know this, are already very much underway. In fact, in 1997, representatives from religious groups all over the world gathered together at Stanford University in California, where else? Uh, their purpose was to draft a charter for a new worldwide organization called the Organization of United Religions. The leader of the meeting was a man named Reverend William Swing, an Episcopal bishop, and his efforts have been to establish a network of religious leaders worldwide interested in establishing a one-world religious organization, uh, and in keeping with that intent, Reverend Swing made this statement, and I quote, I spent a lot of time praying with Brahmins, meditating with Hindus, and chanting with Buddhists. I feel I've been enormously enriched inwardly by exposure to these folks. I've gone back and read our own scriptures, and it's amazing how they begin to read differently when you're exposed to more truth from more people in other parts of the world. And so for end times religion, folks, the worst sin is absolutism, the gall of you intolerant follower of Jesus to boldly declare that he is the only way. So can you see the, the absolute claim that Jesus is the only way to God? Can you see how antagonistic it is becoming to end times religionists? And therefore, there will be increased effort, we're already seeing it, worldwide to get Christians to stop preaching Jesus as the only way. That's happening in our day. Christian missionary and evangelistic work will be seen increasingly to be repulsive and unnecessary since truth 
is relative anyway. So consider, for instance, the comment by Episcopal Bishop, another Episcopal Bishop, his name is Spong, Bishop Spong. He said, I'll not make any further attempt to convert the Buddhist, the Jew, the Hindu, or the Muslim. I'm content to learn from them and to walk with them side by side toward the God who lives. I'm so grateful for the guy who many years ago, 1973, did not withhold the gospel from this Jew. He didn't just walk with me, hold my hands and make friends. In fact, he risked the friendship in order to make sure I heard of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I will be eternally grateful that this man realized Jesus was the only way and that what Jesus did, he did for all people, Jews, Gentiles, and everybody, everybody else. And so end times religion folks will uh, tolerate everything but those who claim they have absolute truth. You see, that's a core value of end times religion called relativism. Now, since there's no absolute truth, end time religion will place a value not on truth, but on sincerity, sincerity. See, as long as you hold to whatever you think is true, sincerely, that's all you need. Everything else will be fine. That's not true. Come on, folks. You can be really sincerely wrong. You can think a red light is a green light. You can sincerely think that and to your death. Folks, some things are true. Other things are false. That's an axiom. That's an absolute axiom. There's nothing relative about truth whatsoever. And so my fellow Christians, I, I must make an appeal to you and include myself in this. We must not cave in to the relativism of the day. We must instead adhere to what the Lord Jesus declared when he said, I am the way and the truth and the life and absolutely no one comes to the Father but through me. Now, though we may be accused of intolerance and narrowness and arrogance, folks, this is the truth the Lord Jesus has declared and entrusted to us. We must not deny it. So I ask you, are you convinced that God has become one of us, suffered for our sin, rose from death, and is coming again? If you are convinced of these truths, how could it possibly be narrow or intolerant for you to share those truths with others? If it's truth, you must not withhold it. Now, end times religious relativism declares that all paths lead to the same destination. There's no such thing as one way. Furthermore, it declares that religion, every religion possesses bits and pieces of truth and therefore we should amalgamate them all into one global religion. But the Bible, we're almost done here. The Bible refers to the end times amalgamated global religious system in the book of Revelation as the harlot. That's the descriptive term. Why? Because end time relativistic, uh, humanistic, um, end times religion is a prostitution of the ultimate truth that Jesus is the only way. 
Now, the Bible uh, refers to those of us who, by God's grace, have been able to apprehend Christ by faith. We are referred to, you know this, don't you, as the bride of Christ. So, uh, I believe this statement that I put here is true. Every person on earth, in any time, will either be connected to the harlot of Antichrist or the bride of the Christ. Which is it for you? It's an either or thing. If you are not yet connected to the Lord Jesus such that you're part of the bride of Christ, why not? Why not bow your head even now and say, Lord Jesus, I'm persuaded somehow now by you that my major problem is not the environment. It's in me. It's my sin. That's my nature. I'm persuaded that you have a solution for it. You suffered and died in my place for it. You're willing to forgive me of it. But you're alive even after death, and you're even willing to take up your abode in my life. And so from the inside, you're willing to change me. You're willing and able to grant me such fellowship with you that it begins even at this moment and persists on into timelessness, into eternity. Come into my life, Lord Jesus. Be my sin substitute. Forgive me. Strengthen me that I might grow to be daily more like you. If you have prayed that prayer, would you contact us so that we could rejoice with you and then help you grow from this point on? What if you've made that decision and you are no longer connected to the harlot no, no, of Antichrist? No way. By faith, you're connected to Jesus. You're part of the bride of Christ. And I just have to tell you once again, as I'm trying to tell myself, don't cave in. Don't compromise. Even for the sake of the world's favor, don't betray the Lord Jesus Christ. Stick to the absolute truth that saved you, Jesus being the only way. Stick to his Bible as that which contains absolute truth. Uh, look to it for decisions about the moral imperatives of the day, sexuality, marriage, life, its sanctity, all the rest. Folks, these are things that can sustain us in this day of change and uncertainty. Jesus and his word is the rock. Don't exchange as Esau did. What is your birthright for something so temporary and looking savory but will ultimately leave a bad taste in your mouth? Don't turn your back on the Lord Jesus no matter what the cost is or may be today. Oh, God in heaven, would you so strengthen us that we would never compromise, minimize, nor betray you. Thank you that your truth has made us free. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. How could it be that we would squander it, withhold it, or compromise it even in this challenging day? May it not be. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Not for end times religion, <laughs> but for the privilege of a personal relationship with you by your grace through our faith, one that persists on into eternity. It means everything 
You mean everything to us. This we confess in Jesus' name. Amen.